0: Uh, last week, if you were here, you know we finished up John chapter thirteen, and so today we're going to cover um, the first three verses of John fourteen. And when you we'll see where we are, uh, this is an extremely familiar uh, piece of scripture. These uh, these verses. Uh, if you've uh, we hear them a lot of times at at funerals, which it's it's a good reason to to share these words at a funeral because of uh, just as, as I was studying it this week, I just reminded and even um, when uh, I was talking with Matthew back there and and repeated these words, these are extremely comforting words. you know we could we could probably just, spend some time this morning just with our eyes closed and I could read these verses and just imagine what's behind these words. And it it whatever may be ailing you, whatever may be distracting you, whatever may be worrying you, when you listen to what Jesus is saying here, that stuff just melts away. That's what happened to me this morning. I was after He leads to in the dark with the and I was just thinking about everything I was doing. over Lord, and just feeling His presence. And about that time, the thunder and the lightning just lit up on me mm-hmm. and I went, "Thank you, Lord, for His, <coughs> His presence." I'm here. I'm here. Uh, <coughs> so uh, I just I hope this morning that our study will be profitable, and uh, I hope that. We'll always, when when we look at these verses, uh, we won't think about funerals. We'll think about every day. I mean, these are really wonderful verses to commit to memory. And you probably already have them committed to memory. You just don't know it because you've heard it so many times, you know. Um, so let me go ahead and I want to read these verses. And then we're going to jump into our study. <clears throat> John 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time this morning. Father, thank you for the rain that is falling this morning and last night um uh, father thank you for this time this morning father as we uh, consider the verses before us father we ask that uh, that you would teach us and have us understand what you would have us understand what's your intentions father when the when jesus our savior uh, shared these words father we pray that today through our study we will gain a deeper understanding uh, for what he is saying here and father uh, A deeper love for our Savior. May I say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as by way of introducing these verses, Dr. Sproul spent some time in in his commentary. And he said, you know, occasionally I read uh, reports of polls that ask Christians, what are your favorite passages of Scripture? Right? What is your favorite chapter in the Bible? Okay, read these polls and, and, uh, he said that in his, uh, in, in his years, uh, two, two chapters seem to always emerge for the top two spots and they kind of trade back and forth. Uh, one chapter is 1 Corinthians 13. Right? Mm-hmm. The love chapter. Right? <laughs> right? We we, we hear that read at weddings. Very often, right? We hear that right, at weddings. Um, so the love chapter, he says, and the other one, the, the other uh, chapter is this chapter, this John chapter fourteen, and and it is loved uh, so much because of what we've already mentioned—the great comfort that it offers believers. Now the the whole chapter, as we look at chapter uh, fourteen, the whole chapter centers uh, centers on the promise of Christ is a uh, promise that Christ is the one who gives the believer comfort, uh, not only in his uh, return, but also in the present, as he'll talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit as well. But the one thing we need to remember as we look at the text here, there's three verses, we have to remember our context. And because, as you know, uh, the, the original text with which John, uh, th- this was written, none of these had uh, chapter indicators none of them had verse numbers right it was just all straight uh, straight writing there was no 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 dividers uh, in the original text and so we know that uh, chapter dividers verse dividers came much later in church history and sometimes as Dr. Sproul pointed out we wonder why they were divided like they were and Dr. Sproul's point this is it, it, the beginning of this chapter is one of those areas where he wonders why why did you put a chapter divide right here? And the reason uh, is that the opening of this chapter must be understood in direct relationship to where we were last week with the end of chapter 13, which immediately comes before it. And in fact, chapter 14, these verses begin right in the middle of a speech of Jesus. So we need to connect the two chapters to understand it properly. <laughs> Uh, This chapter, again, as we said in the introduction, begins with words that have been loved and have been treasured uh, by Christians for generations. So let me, I'm going to read, I'm going to start in verse 38 and I'm going to say, and then we're going to go and read verse, the first part of verse one. And Jesus answered him, will you not lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow until you have denied me three times. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now let's look at the first section of the verse uh, one. Let not your heart be troubled. Uh, the word translated here troubled is also, has appeared earlier in John's gospel. It was in chapter 13, if you remember when, when John wrote that when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in his spirit. And that was in verse 21 of 13. That was... That was uh, a right when he was talking about what was about to happen, the betrayal. And so our Lord is troubled. We know that because he's told us that John's told us that the Lord was uh, was troubled in his spirit. So now our Lord is telling his disciples, I'm troubled, but I don't want you to be troubled. Now, how are we to understand this? What Jesus is saying? It's is it a. Is, is it a, an apparent conflict between Jesus' example, how he's living? He's He said it. I mean, we, we've noted it. John said it. I was troubled in his spirit. And now he's saying, but I don't want you to be troubled. Well, first, we need to remember the reason for Jesus' troubled spirit. John tells us that Jesus was troubled right, right before he records Jesus' announcement that one of the disciples would betray him. So the immediate cause of Jesus's troubled spirit or his distress was the knowledge that one in the room would betray him. That was the immediate cause. Second, we need to look at the uh, troubling factors now that are facing the disciples. So, so we know what's troubling our savior. So what is before the disciples? Well, Don also, we also know from our study that they were confused, right? They were distressed. They were worried uh, because uh, they, they wanted to know who, uh, wh- wh- which one of them would betray them and why, right? We talked about that last week. Uh, their uh, distress, their confusion, their their worry was, was also intensified when Jesus said those words, uh, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer and you will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot go. So now I say to you. That was a source of distress for the disciples. They, uh, how do we know? Well, what did Peter say? Peter, Peter revealed that he was worried about that, right? Because he plainly asked Jesus where he was going, right? And why they couldn't follow. It was, we've been following you for, for three years now. Why, what, where are you going now? Why can't we follow you? Peter, Peter said to the Lord, "Why can't I follow you now? We've the hour is here. Uh, I've been been following you for three years, all over Galilee, all over Judea. Peter, Peter's like, wherever you're going, I want to go with you. I, I, take me with you. I will lay down my life for you," is what Peter even said, right? And that was a true heartfelt plea from Peter he wasn't putting on he really that was coming from his heart wasn't it and 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 that plea that heartfelt plea from peter only brought what 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 happened immediately after that what this this horrible revelation from jesus
1: when peter said
0: i'll lay down my life for you he says peter most assuredly i say to you the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me 3 times just, just imagine that for a moment. Just imagine the scene. Uh, Dr. Sproul said those, those words from Jesus must have felt, uh, fell like a thunderbolt on the ears of those gathered in the upper room. Surely it was. It was an amazing pronouncement that, wow, I, I don't even know how to receive that. So in, in very short order, in just you know, a matter of moments, they have learned that one would betray Him, that Jesus was about to leave, and they couldn't follow where He was going, and that Peter was going to deny Him. Again, we talked about this last week, put yourselves in their shoes for a moment. Can you imagine how they must have felt after hearing all those things. and It's an incredible turn of events, isn't it? Here at his hour, okay? It's an incredible turn of events as far as the disciples can see it. Now, their hearts, and if it, again, if you put yourself in their shoes, you have to admit your heart will be troubled too, wouldn't it? Uh, their hearts had to have been troubled beyond description, beyond what we can even really think and it is in that context that jesus said let not your hearts be troubled instead of instead of the disciples lending support to jesus and his time and what was about to happen his hours before the cross he had to support them he had to support them spiritually and emotionally Jesus went on to say in the second half of verse one, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Now, in the original Greek, uh, the structure of the verbs here, it was originally written, uh, makes it a little challenging to understand. Really, there are three ways that you could uh, interpret or read, or three ways you could read this statement based on the original Greek. Uh, The first way is that both of the verbs here are in the indicative. You believe in God and you believe in me. Both verbs believe in the indicative. The second way is that both verbs are in the imperative. As commands. Believe in God and believe in me too. Commands from Jesus about what to believe. The third way is that the first verb is in the indicative. And the second is in the imperative. You believe in God. Therefore, believe in me. Now, the third option is the one chosen by the translators of the New King James Version. And Dr. Sproul agreed that is the best translation of that statement. Uh, Again, Jesus is declaring, he's indicating you believe in God, he's acknowledging that, therefore believe in me, in the imperative. So, think about this for a minute. When... Jesus is reminding them of their belief, belief in the Father, belief in God, which they believe that, that's acknowledge. And now he's reminding them, he's challenging them, he's commanding them, okay, now you've got to believe in me. You gotta believe in who I am. When we look back in and we were in John chapter three, if you remember, we, we studied the account of Nicodemus and how he came to Jesus uh, by night. And you remember those words uh, of Nicodemus are famous. He says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God. Why? Because no one can do the signs unless God is with him. Nic- Nicodemus saw what was happening, right? Uh, and we don't exactly know what Nicodemus saw or what he had witnessed that caused him to believe that. But he he witnessed an act of, of Jesus and it was obvious to him you can't deny God's with this man it's it's he's a he's a teacher sent from God maybe maybe he had seen Jesus turn the water into wine at the wedding in Canaan maybe he had witnessed that or, or maybe Nicodemus had seen another miracle
1: uh,
0: by Jesus or maybe he had just heard of the signs we're not really sure but whatever the case Nicodemus was convinced that Jesus had the actions he had performed, he could not do unless God himself had empowered him. Now, just imagine for a moment that you're one of the disciples. Okay, put yourselves back in the shoes of one of the disciples now. Nicodemus had come to that knowledge. But as a disciple, you've been with him now for three years. You've seen way more than Nicodemus has seen, haven't you? you? You you have seen Jesus turn the water into wine at the wedding at Cana, and remember, it wasn't just cheap wine for more; it was really good wine. Remember, right? Really, really, really good wine. You you were there when Jesus healed the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda. You were there. You witnessed it with your own eyes. You saw it. You were there when Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children. Probably 15 or 20,000 people with what? A handful of fishes and and loaves of bread. You saw it. You witnessed. You witnessed Him receive these small pieces, ask the Father, give thanks to the Father, and bless it, and then fed 20,000 people. You saw it with your own eyes. You were in the boat that night that Jesus walked on water. Wow, he walked on water. You were there when Jesus gave sight to the man that was born blind. And as if all those things weren't enough, right? You were there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I just that's you. That's your last three years. And and, and there was more than that, right? John tells us that, that that hey, there's much more that can be written about what happened in Jesus, but not even you know, we can't even the sea won't even hold everything that we can write about what Jesus did. So that's just the ones we know about. Right? That's just the ones that we know about. Imagine that. If if there was ever a group of men and all of human history, who had reason to believe that a man was sent by God, it was these disciples. Right? If anyone ever had a reason, it was these. It was these disciples who were now gathered together here in the upper room. So, the interpretation of our verses, the, the, the imperative. Jesus says, you believe in God, Believe also in me. All that is at play here. All that is behind what Jesus is saying. So the imperative coming from Jesus shouldn't really surprise us. Should it? It should not surprise us that Jesus is telling them, believe in me. Jesus was telling them now it is time to act on what you have seen. It is time to believe in me. R.C. said it this way, faith in Jesus as the son of God is, is the basis for preventing one's heart from being troubled. And again, isn't that why these verses are so comforting? Because no matter what's going on in the world, When you read these verses, the words from Jesus, it it brings immediate relief. It brings immediate comfort. And Jesus reminding them who He is and then saying, believe in Me. Right? Believe in Me. And that's from His own mouth. The words from His own mouth. Jesus continues his words uh, of comfort for his friends. The first part of verse two, he says, in my father's house are many mansions. Now the New King James Version uses the word mansions here. Dr. Sproul I don't think that's a really good translation. It says the, the, the word used here, the Greek word used here, literally means dwellings. Literally means that. Literally means dwellings. Uh, to put it even more precisely, he said the word calls attention, should call us attention to the idea of a suite. That's what we should k- kind of be thinking. An idea of a suite. Dr. Sproul tells of, uh, tells of a time where he was, uh, he and his wife were traveling in Switzerland. And uh, they, wherever they were supposed to stay, he has a, an assistant who handles these traveling, uh, arrangements, right? Sometimes, uh, he just, he, 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 hears the agenda. Yeah, he people help and I, am I'm, I'm supposed to show up where I'm supposed to show up and this is where I'm staying. And he says they showed up at a hotel in Switzerland and they arrived to check in and they, the hotel had been overbooked. A reservation had been made. They had a reservation there, but it had been overbooked. And they're saying, we're, we're sorry, we, we don't have the room that we told you we would have. However, we want you to stay here, we're going to upgrade you, we're going to give you a nice room, because at the same price for the, that you had, right, and he said they put us in what they called was the royal suite, okay, the penthouse suite, and of course, no complaint, yes sir, I would gladly take uh, the royal suite and you would too and I would too right we would gladly take that and um, he talks about just this amazing lavish penthouse royal suite he says well that's something kind of like the accommodations that Jesus has promised you and me Jesus was saying I when he told them I'm going, when he says in my father's house are many mansions, he says, you know, I'm not going just to get you a room ready at the hotel, right? Uh, I'll leave the light on for you. You know, Motel 6, you know. Uh, I'm not going to give you just a small cell. Uh, I'm not going to give you a broom closet, something small. I'm going to prepare for you a royal suite in my father's house. It's going to be lavish is what Jesus is trying to say. That's the meaning this piece conveying here. It's going to be lavish and it's going to be special and it's going to be amazing and you are going to be very comfortable. Right? And the sweet that he's going to prepare, guess what? It's absolutely guaranteed. Dr. Sproul tells again of uh, another time when he was traveling, his assistant Maureen had had made the reservation. As a matter of fact, he said she was so um, dedicated to her job. She would call. I mean, like she'd make the reservation before he left. She would call to make sure, okay, the reservation's still there. Said they were flying to this one event. She actually called while they were flying to make sure, okay, everything's good. Reservation is good. Yes, ma'am. Everything's okay. I mean, she was diligent, right, about making sure everything happened. Well, I get to the hotel, and guess what? We don't have your reservation, Dr. Sproul. And he said, even Maureen's reservations can fail. Even Even as diligent as she was, her reservations can fail. But that's sweet. That's sweet that's reserved in heaven. Guess who the booking agent was? The King of Kings. He made the reservation. That reservation is backed, buddy. It's an ironclad guarantee. It's done. Because of who has done it. Jesus also assured His disciples in verse 2, the second half of it. He says, I'm back up, let me read. Uh, it says, It uh, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, if it were not so, I would have told you. Now, when you think about this question for a moment, this is one of, or at the root of this question, that what Jesus is dealing with, is one of the oldest questions that humanity has wrestled with. In fact, it was asked, by Job, and it's recorded in Job fourteen, fourteen. Job says this, If a man dies, shall he live again? It's the age-old question, isn't it, right? What happens to you after you die? If a man dies, will he live again? Dr. Sproul said, you know, I'm sure that all of us have been touched or experienced the death of a loved one right we all have um hmm. I looked at you and I just immediately went back because we were there together when your wonderful husband met Jesus that that was I didn't think about that until just now That was a good day for him, wasn't it? Amen. Um. Hmm, sorry about that. Daughter's rule said I watched. I watched as my father died. I watched death in front of my eyes, and in that moment, I lost a person who meant more to me than any other person on the earth. He said, something stabbed my soul. It caused him to say, this is absolutely insane. This can't be real. He must just be sleeping. And he asked that question, oh God, will he live again? Now, he was faced with it, right? Head on, dealing with it. And I agree with uh, Dr. Sproul, it's always interesting to ask people, to ask them, who do you look forward to seeing in heaven? Right? Some people say uh, Bible figures, right? Some people may say Abraham. That's going to be pretty neat to meet Abraham. David, Jeremiah, Paul. Others say... Figures from history, Martin Luther, Augustine, Calvin, these names, right? But of course, and we've said this in here in these lessons before, above all and above everything else, we want to see Jesus, don't we? That's who we want to see when we get to heaven. We want to see Jesus. I agree with Freud, he said, I want to look into his face. I want to hear his voice. I want to behold his glory, the glory he has had with the Father from the time, from before time began. Now, put yourself back in the place of these disciples. They know that the Lord is troubled. They know he's told them what's coming. He knows I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. They've seen all these things. And he's calling them. He's comforting them. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Remember who I am. Remember what you've seen. Remember what you have witnessed. I imagine they would be thinking something like this. "You know, Lord, I've been with you. I've seen the amazing miracles, the things that you have done. I've uh, The words that you have spoken, and we can all agree with this, have meant so much to my soul, my very being, right? His words comfort like nobody else's, don't they? The words from Jesus. But I have one burning question for you. Again, this is we're just we're kind of putting ourselves in the disciples' right? Okay, this is that's we're, we're we're just hypothetical, right? This this is us. This is the situation. We're there with Jesus. I've seen all those things. Your words are powerful, but I have one burning question for you: Is it true that we will live again? Is it true? Is it? Is it true or or is it just a myth? Is this... Jesus, I, I just want you to tell me the truth. Tell me the honest truth. Break it down. Don't sugarcoat it. Tell me like it is. And then we would hear those words from Jesus. If He was talking to me, Jason, if this were not true, I would have told you. Right? If it were not true... I would have told you. That's exactly what he tells the disciples. Dr. Sproul said, I find it uh, to be one of the most comforting texts in all of sacred scripture. Comes from the lips of Jesus. If I would have told you, if it were not so, I would have told you. He's, believe me, that's that's coming from his heart. Believe me, Jesus. Jesus goes on and he says, and the end of verse two and verse three, he says, "I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare, and if I go and prepare." A place for you. I will come again, and I receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Now they've been they've been asking, Lord, where are you going? You know, we, we we want to keep going with you. You know, don't. What do you mean we can't go where you're going? What? W- wait a minute. We we've been with you. We want to be with you. And and he he answers this question to a point. Right. He's saying. What's about to take place is absolutely amazing. I'm I'm going to prepare this place for you that really, I can tell you that it's going to be amazing, right? But words can't even really describe it. Words, human words, right? The English language can't even really describe how great it's going to be, right? Because the scripture tells us what about heaven? About our experience there, it's better. It's better than you can even imagine. So you can imagine the best thing, and it's a hundred times better than that. That is, to, I mean, wow, right? Wow, absolutely, wow. And then he, and then he says, because they're concerned because he's leaving, and rightly so. I would be, cons- I'd be, I'd be concerned too. But he says, what? He says, I will come again. I will come again. I will receive you to Myself. That where I am, there you may be also. The, the royal suite, okay, is ready. Because He says, I'm going to prepare it for you. It, it's ready. Yours is ready. Already. Well, I'm worried, right. Yours is ready already. Uh, the reservation is absolutely guaranteed because of who made the reservation. The King of Kings, has made the reservation. But Jesus reveals here, He said, I've still got some plans. I've still got some more things uh, to do. I'm, I'm going to come again. I'm going to come back here. And we know He's going to come back in like manner as He went because we learned that after He ascended. But He says, I'm going to come back. I'm going to bring you home so that you can be with me. Right? Dr. Sproul said, um, in all honesty, he says, I have no fear of death because I know that I will immediately go to be with Jesus in heaven. The scriptures tell us that, right? The scriptures tell us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When you leave here, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you will be with Him in just a flash. It's there. There's no long walk. There's no, you know, it says it's, I mean, it's immediate. There's no confusion. I mean, it's, it's immediate. It says, you're going to be there with Jesus. You leave here, you're with Jesus. You're here one second, you're there the next. So, so Dr. Sproul says, I don't really, I don't have any fear of that. I have, I have no fear of that. He says, I know in whom I have believed right? And I am. And I, and I know that I, I have his promises, and that what he says he will do, he will do. Guaranteed. Take it to the bank. What we know is waiting for us is is far better than anything we can enjoy in this world. And you know, if um, you know, how, how many times you've heard people say they'll say stuff like, um, "Well, I got up this morning; it was a good day. I woke up on this side." Or, or what, what do they say this side of the grain i'm not how do they say it what's the what, what do they say I got, the right I got up on the right side of the bed right um they say stuff like well, it's good to see you today well it's better to be seen than viewed <laughs> right they say stuff like that right um, they'll say stuff like yeah I want to go to heaven but not today right people say stuff like this right I you just think about that for a minute now, for the believer, is that just foolish talk? Really? I've had the opportunity, and I want you to try this. Okay? Next time somebody says any one of those things, right? and they don't mean anything by it, they're just making, well, maybe they do, but but they're just kind of making conversation. right. But next time somebody says something like that, do what I've done in the past because you get some interesting looks. Because when they say stuff like, well, Uh, it's better to be, you know, seen than viewed or whatever. Meaning, I'm glad I'm still here. That's what they're talking about. It's better that I'm still here than I died. Okay? Now, I don't know. It depends on who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to a believer, then you can say it one way. But if I don't know their faith, then I'm careful. Because I really don't know what's waiting for them when they die, right? I'm not sure. So how, what I do, I take, it, I make it personal. I say, "Well, I said what I can tell you is what's waiting is a whole lot better than here for me. It's what's waiting for me?" I said, "So, what's coming is a whole lot better than here, buddy." And you can, and you can just it changes the whole conversation. I kind of look at you, kind of funny, you know. Um, now we're not out there, you know, trying to uh, tempt death, right? We don't do that. But as the believer, it's a whole different perspective. Right? It's a whole different... Remember what Jim Riley used to say in Bible study? For those of you used to be here? Well, he, he, and, and it floored me the first time I heard it. He said, brothers, I'm telling you, if the bus pulled up right outside these doors and Jesus was on it, and he said, come on, we're going to heaven. He said, I'm gone. He so said, I'm not even going to tell y'all bye. I'm gone. Jesus said, let's go now. So I'm not even going to call Nancy and tell her goodnight. I'm gone. Bye. Right? He said it. If he didn't say it, bet shaking his head because Michael's at a lot of those, and some of you other men were too. He said it, and he meant it. Right. If the train pulled up. It's time to go. I'm jumping on. Let's go. But try that next time somebody says something like that. See what it, See what kind of reaction you get. Now they might say, "Well, I'm going to be right there with you. Now, you." That may open up a door for a good conversation, right? Might be another believer you might meet and you can have a good discussion about heaven. But what we know is what's waiting for us is much better than this world. And we live in one of the most beautiful parts of the world, right? But what's waiting is more than this. So, so back to what Dr. Stroh was saying, so I don't, I don't fear death. I don't fear because I know when I leave I'm going to be with Jesus. He said, but if you ask me about dying, well, that's another story. Right? <laughs> you asked me about dying. That's another story. Now, we know because the final chapter on Dr. Sproul's life has already been written. Right? We know that. But from his own words, he says, I wish I could just close my eyes and step across into heaven and that would be glory for me. But he didn't know the route when he wrote this. Right? But we, Dr. Sproul died quietly at home. Right? It was... He, he, so... Relatively pain-free. I mean, there were some uh, some uh, physical ailments, right? But but he left here. Nothing tragic, right? Nothing uh, long, drawn-out illness, right? That so many people go through. So what we know is 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 our dying, how we leave here. It may include great pain and suffering. That's very possible, isn't it? For it may happen very quick. Painlessly. Well, However the means, uh, what we know we will experience on the other side of here this is going to make it all worthwhile. Isn't it? Every, every trying thing, every obstacle we had in this life, every time we had to run to Jesus and fall on our knees and ask for forgiveness and ask Him to comfort us, every time that we chose to follow Him instead of following the world, it's everything's going to be worth it. It'll all be worth it, won't it? When we go to see Him. Martin Luther, uh, not Martin Luther, uh, Matthew Henry, I'll finish with this quote because time is about out. Christ's disciples. That's you and me, right? Not just the ones we've been talking about. That's us. Christ's disciples. More than, More than any other's, should keep their minds quiet when everything else is unquiet. Here is the remedy against this trouble of mind. Believe. That imperative word from Jesus. Believe. By believing in Christ as the mediator between God and man, we gain comfort. When all the world is unquiet, we can remain quiet. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for our time today. Father, we pray that You will take um, Your truth, Father, as it has been um, given from Your Word. Father, we pray that you will use it. Father, we pray that you will use it to work in each one of us. Father, make us more like Christ and teach us every day, Father, what it is to love you and to walk with you in this world. And how much comfort we can experience here in trying times. Because we're reminded today that we have to believe in you. Thank you for our time this morning. Please, as we go to our worship service this morning, Father, we pray that these words, and we know that our pastor is going to have a good word for us. Father, we pray that that you will use it to build us up for the sake of your kingdom. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.